Awesome, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your hero, <laughs> hero and host, goddammit, because I made it through this episode. Hero Kareen, joined as ever by my sidekicks Kim Hello. and Ari. We're your sidekicks now? You've been demoted. Welcome to episode 14, Wolf in the Fold, or as I like to call it, All Men Must Die. But mostly women, and pretty gruesomely. Yeah. So, this is an episode about Jack the Ripper in space. Yeah. So, here's the funny thing. Jack the Ripper in space is actually an incredibly common giant sci-fi franchise theme. How many other shows have done Jack the Ripper in space? Don't you remember the Babylon 5 episode? I do not. There is a Babylon 5 episode where it turns out that the Vorlons, spoiler guys, but like it's been 20 years, came and took Jack the Ripper off of the earth and decided to use him as an investigator because he comes and interrogates, I think it's Sinclair or Sheridan, I can't remember which one. That's the dumbest thing I've heard. Yeah, well. Somehow dumber than this episode, which, full disclosure to everyone, I love this episode. (laughs) I thought it was a lot of fun, even though it was very stupid. It is a delicious murder mystery with a twist ending that you can see coming from a mile away, and it also hates women so Oh my! Although at least it comes right out and says so. Yeah. <laughs> my opinion, I hated it. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. Are you surprised? No. Yeah. I, yeah yes. Surprise. <laughs> the emotion that I feel. It was so bad. It was the, amazing. I will admit that the once the crew gets all drugged, uh, that yes. was a, quite amusing. <laughs> Here's that my was... solution to this crisis. Let's all get high as balls. I like to call it hijinks. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is a this is a murder mystery. It is very, very stupid in the best way that original yes. series episodes mm-hmm. are. However, I would like to point out that this episode was written by Robert Block mm-hmm. of the fame slash ignatomy of Cat's Paw. <laughs> oh, God. Another, again, we have to remember this guy is a horror writer, so he's essentially writing a horror yeah. story just with Star Trek characters. Except it wasn't really a horror story until, like, the last eight minutes where he's, like, yelling through the ship's computer, you're all going to die! Ari, Ari, a woman is, like, stabinated 14 times in the first five minutes of this episode. I didn't actually think that atmospherically, though, it conformed to the horror genre. There it was, was a murder fog. mystery genre, absolutely. I don't there know. was fog, and someone didn't remember whether he'd murdered somebody or not. I would mm. I would classify that as a horror. So Robert Block wrote Cat's Paw, which I think we all three for three agreed was Drek. No, but I'm also sorry, no, what are, what little girls are made of, which was like the Clone Wars episode where, whoops, my fiancé might be a megalomaniac robot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I, think this is the, I think this is one of his last episodes, and I see why. I, but again, I love this episode. I do not. I enjoyed it. It, it Most, is I mean, sometimes dumb. when I can see exactly what's going to happen from like six minutes in, it bothers me. In this case, I actually really enjoyed it. The first time I watched this episode, I remember being shocked that Piglet had committed the murder. <laughs> oh, that's who the voice was! That I'm like, I have shocking. definitely seen this guy in something before. It was Piglet! I'm oh pretty my sure God. it's Piglet. It, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It was, <laughs> when you close your eyes, you're like, oh, Piglet, no! Well, I don't know. Piglet always did seem, of all of the characters in Winnie the Pooh, the one who was most likely to sort of go over the edge. What happened in the Hundred Mile Forest <laughs> that turned you so, so dark? It wasn't really his fault. He was being possessed by the evil spirit of Jack the Ripper. So I, I have a question. Was he possessed or was that just his 
No, he was actual. Po- he was possessed. He, he was possessed because you, you remember at the end where Jack the Ripper bounced from the computer to the prefect back to them yeah. to the administrator piglet. Yeah. Also, I wanted the other subtitle of this episode to be "The Ghost in the Machine." Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I been. like that one. But I really feel like I stuck with stuck with my best option. Here. John Donald Fiedler. Okay, yeah. was piglet. piglet was piglet. Ha! Huh. Yeah, that's pretty unsettling. Snap! As the ageless, deathless force of uh, energy and hatred of women. Hating women. <laughs> it's the misogyny cloud. <laughs> the deathless misogyny cloud. <laughs> Very specific hatred of women, especially like in a space context where there could be many other genders. It's like, oh no. Well, the thing is, it, it's so. It's so facile that if a woman had written this episode I would have thought it was intended to be subversive it's a deathless intergalactic misogyny cloud yes like come on except it wasn't written by a woman so sadly no no it was defeated by the power of drugs not love no or friendship drugs straight up drugs Drugs. yeah if we have no drugs we have no fear I guess if we have no fear, then we don't have misogyny, because the root of misogyny is kind of that that fear. Yes. Okay. Fear of having your own nastiness turned back upon you. Okay, so fine. I think that works. Sure, I guess. I don't care enough. I think mostly (laughs) they did it through the power of Space Google, because basically the reason they figured it out definitively was a Space Google search, which was really shitty, and we'll come to that later. It was beautiful. I don't... Mm -hmm. I will hear no other argument against it. It made perfect sense. It all checks out. Yeah, everything was picked up that was put down. It was solid. It was stupid, but it was very solid. I had a lot of fun. So stupid. (laughs) So it it starts with possibly the longest, sexiest dance. Oh, and extremely classy and definitely not racist at all. Whatever the hell. Argalius, this planet is? It's planet Argalius. They're a bunch of hedonists. They take a... And apparently hedonist equals vaguely Arabic looking. They they took a... They took a page from the playbook of Edward Said's Orientalism yeah. and just kind of, like, ran with it. Ultra classy. Except, Kim, I would like you to take over our sexy dancer whose name is Tana. Tara. Did she have a name? Tara. I thought she was just Tara. sexy dancer. Her name was Tara. She had a name, damn it. I don't Her remember. father yells it four or five times. Okay. Yeah, she has a name. Uh, we need to, from the first, address her outfit. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, it is basically shredded hot pink garbage bags <laughs> In their are defense. wrapped around her stomach and cascading from her hair. No, do you know what it is? It's exactly what fake Hawaiian grass yeah, is. Yeah, exactly yeah. it yeah. it's exactly yeah. what it was. It's exactly what it was. Like, it is like a floor-length bright pink fake Hawaiian grass skirt, and they put one in her hair. So it's I, I particularly down. enjoyed the bits along the edge of her bikini. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite part, though, was the, the flower inside of her belly button, mm. so that there's actually no belly button yeah. visible. Yeah. So the story behind that is it's Tanya Lamani who plays... Tara, maybe sexy dancer. Um, they they were doing like a whole bunch of makeup on her face and more makeup and more to make her look alien and a certain point like and more less white. Uh don't know. For the if heavily brown coated but actually played by white actors are aliens. That um, but they put more and more makeup until they finally just showed her face and they're like, yes, we want to see her face, and they were very concerned about 
getting this part of the episode past the censors. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it is very sexy and yes. it is very long. At a certain point, it stops being sexy. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it reminded me of the green sc- green skinned Orion oh woman God, dance yes. from, the, the from the unaired pilot. Okay, so yeah. you know, all I could think about when we were watching this beginning part is I remember being told once in a class that you never want a PowerPoint presentation to be longer than 15 minutes because that's exactly how long people can't pay attention before they start doodling and playing on their phones. This did not even meet that rule, and it wasn't even 15 minutes long. It was, like, what, six minutes long? And I was like, this should have been two minutes long tops, because I'm well beyond the point. She did her own choreography, which Mm -hmm. I thought was actually very, very good. I will say, of all of this, like, that lady, she had a face and a half. Like... She had a belly. She did, yeah. Like, oh, she was... Great ab control. Yeah. But getting back to my anecdote, Mm -hmm. the reason why... Her, like they, they're very concerned. Like, can we get away with this sexy dance? Okay, and they kind of went back and forth between like, well, okay, she needs to have a little bit more of this, and she, her navel needs to be covered. Yeah, that is an issue for the censors. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Understand what it was about belly buttons that 1960s men went so crazy over. I but... think it's a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Any orifice that can. I think yeah. it was, it's, there was a, a really complicated set of rules for what was allowed to be shown in public. And it was like the bot, the torso was sort of split up into quadrants. I'm not kidding. I wish that I was kidding. The belly button is the sexiest quadrant. So <laughs> early bikinis, or well, early, well, what you could call bikinis that weren't in the States anyway, they actually hit just above the belly button. I know. Those were delightful. And I wish they would come back into style. They exist again, actually. Do they? Um, but yeah, that to like the, the, the lady parts was a quadrant. So if you were covering it, then you were falling outside of those rules. It was very mathy and insane. It, it is, like, that parceling away of women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Again, another issue for another time. Yeah. But everyone should read Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel, because it talks about that. And mm-hmm. Anne Boleyn, like, parceling off bits of her body. Yep. Inches of her body for different things. But anyways, we digress. We're back on Orientalist Fantasy Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is an Full awful, of white people. Uh, only, only our three main characters are respectfully watching the presentation. Yeah. Everyone else is just, like, lounging on, on like pillows yeah high as hell and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other people who are like in uniform or like clearly not from this planet who are just yeah lounging on pillows having like fruit fed to them by local girls it's a it's kind of like you're it, it again going back to our nautical adventure it's the port city right yep. yeah it's port royale where sexy times happen and everyone mm-hmm. wants royale, to have which fun. was so hedonistic that it was literally smited by god and i mean that's the thing about the society is it's it's so hedonistic like, is hedonistic that everybody's into it. Like they want to be doing this. Yeah, they want I to guess. be treated. And they like seriously this and slam like, that point home like four or five times. They have this sort of conversation where they don't come right out and say anyone will do it, do it with you for nothing. But they they talk around it really really hard. When they leave this place, they are going to a whorehouse. Well, the impression <laughs> I get is that what we're getting from the crew is oh well, the whole planet's basically a giant brothel. No. Yep. Oh. yep. That's exactly the impression I got. Except they really like it, so it's fine. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's basically, like, later on we have Risa. Yes. Um, but it seems a little, I mean, I think with, and I hate to say this, but I think because the way that Orientalism is coded at this point in television history, it seems like, I want to use the word secular, but that's not what I mean. Like, it's less shamey. shamey. No, in fact, we get to learn a little bit more about their culture. That yeah, yeah. It, they they think highly of pleasure. They two hundred years ago they kind of went, you know what, work is dumb. Yeah, 
Fighting is stupid. Jealousy is boring. Let's all just have a good time. And they've essentially restructured their entire society around that to the point where they have to bring in boring administrators to do the boring work because they're too busy having fun. We're probably extremely (laughs) happy. my favorite details. Yeah. We have to hire the administrators from off world because we actually want to get things done around here. Yeah. Which I think is actually quite responsible. It is. I loved the prefect. I loved his wife. Yeah. Uh, Like, who are just I was really sad when she died. Well, as soon as any woman showed up on screen, it was like, oh no! Well, yes, but she was the first one who actually had any character <clears throat> development before she was offed. There was the, the brunette at the end who was in the room. Oh, yes. I'm like, yeah. I was like, in fear the entire time. I was like, no, just leave. Yeah. <laughs> when they beamed down little poor Lieutenant Tracy, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. 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 I liked this planet. I, I did think too. it's interesting as an exploration of what happens when people just have no hang-ups about anything. I would anything. love to see reviews of this episode from the contemporary reviewers because I think very much that, and again, the weird, scary 60s Orientalism thing, yeah. I think would view this episode very differently. Because there's a sort of an element of that conversation that Kirk has where he's basically the ship pimp. Okay, yeah. that is where my foot had to come down. Yes, where, okay. right up into that point, like, we're getting this sort of like, oh, they're so foreign and interesting. It just it's just a little bit shameful, but 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 have fun. We're on leave. Except no one watching that these days would really read that into it. <laughs> like the way the society was presented was very interesting. Yeah, the way the men behaved in that society they were gross for was her. gross. Yeah, they they are gross. So she's doing her sexy dance. Everyone is mostly just kind of chilling out on pillows because apparently chairs have not been invented. Mm. And or these... invented and rejected in the great o- pleasure overthrow. <laughs> yes. It's too much more during, the, years during ago. the Enlightenment. Fair enough. <laughs> Chairs are hard and boring. Couches are much better. Or painting couches. Painting couches. Settees. Settees. Mm. Yes, a culture of settees. So everyone is playing it really cool. Except for the three fucking creeps in the back. Who are Kirk, Scotty, and McCoy leering. Yeah. Leering like they are getting paid to do it. Which They've they got these creepy close-up faces where all they're doing is, like, leering, smiling. The smile on um, James Doohan's oh. face in this is, like, it's so gross. Yeah. It is just... He looks like Genuine he was doing a normal leer and then got hit in the face with a bored mid-leer and it, like, stuck that way. Or as if he has, like, a knife to his back. Yeah. And if you just... <laughs> this is my everything's fine face. Yes. <laughs> if you look less than ecstatic for five minutes, you're going to get stabbed through the fifth and sixth vertebrae. But <laughs> they are grinning and they have this awful conversation where Kirk is essentially like, so I found you a sexy lady for tonight. We're going to invite her over to a table and I ordered you to, like, bone her hard. Yeah, for it was extremely uncomfortable. And they're all like, don't you know how to... Captain takes care of his men. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, on the other, other, other hand, do you think that ships in the future, like Next Generation Era, have, like, sex therapists or, like... We've never seen any evidence of it. That that is what they are for? Like, do ships... In Starfleet, have prostitution or like legalized prostitution? We've never seen any evidence of it. No, we do see um, in Next Gen for sure. There are mentions of a whole bunch of like that. That culturally, we are really down on slut shaming these days. I Um, feel like in in Next Gen era, we're supposed to believe that humans have sort of moved beyond hang ups and that kind of stuff to a point where we're all like consensually responsible and sexually like 
happy. Yeah. But what with if ourselves? there's an individual Barkley who can't? <laughs> then no he, one will he has have the holodeck. Sex with. Then he goes and creates gross holodeck programs of real life people that he knows, and, and that's okay. why. Privacy and then it's exists. not okay. Then it is not okay. Actually, I'm still. But what, my, if, he, but what if he was just having sex with like your regular everyday hologram? That's not okay, but it's also a thing that comes up a lot in Deep Space Nine because Quark actually hands over like, here's a sex program, and then there's the whole issue of like Dabo girls. Which actually is brought up a lot because they go and complain to Cisco a lot when Quark yeah. is being gross. They to had them. they're unionized later on. They do unionize I'm very the Dabo girls unionize. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, like original series and next gen, I know that they have like pleasure planets where yes, you go lots to and have lots of them. a good time. Yes. But is there prostitution? Uh, we do actually, a few times, yes, we do see prostitution, but it's, it's never, it's always other cultures though. It's always like on other planets or quasi-neutral ports or like DS9 where it's like the Dabo girls or other people who are working for non-federation businesses or authorities or governments. So Hmm. it exists. I don't know that within the federation it would definitely, we have at least a couple of guest stars who talk about having worked as prostitutes or at least as sex workers really um, yeah um i don't but like i said they're usually not federation planets. i have no memory of any of this <laughs> well i think mostly all. most they never come out and say it of course because it was the 90s they're coded but definitely for sure 100 percent. yes we do see prostitution Let's pin this because i'm kind yeah. of curious we see more it. of it in ds9 like i can think of multiple instances in ds9 yeah. in next gen it would have been coded so heavily you would have had to pay real close attention because th- this is weird, because essentially Scotty has been brought down to this planet, mm-hmm. and I assume they, they actually rebooted the entire ship over this planet, because only three people well, we see down. we see a few other people in Starfleet uniforms in, okay. in the cafe. Yeah. We don't know that they're Not from the during, like, creeps. But they have been, yeah. Scotty has been specifically brought down here to bone the concussion right out of him. And also, <laughs> apparently, his concussion might have given him hatred of women. God. Oh my so god, stupid. this was, I was like, oh, this is the point where they set up that Scotty has motives. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, this was so dumb. And or diminished capacity. There was, like, he was wounded in an explosion that was caused by a woman. So Which they never explain. So he might hate all women now. I, yeah, because Why wouldn't he sense. hate that specific person who caused the explosion? It's like, it's like saying, well, our ship was attacked by Klingons, so now everybody might hate all Klingons all the time forever. So we should go and have sex with Klingons. And definitely serial murder them. <laughs> because that's something that happens to well, people. Well, I... I Get how you might, after an accident caused by someone, maybe spend some time and, like, reconcile your feelings about it. That but person. That person. But not all? Just all women. Yes, yes all women. Yes, all women. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, well, now I know what the subtitle in the blog post is going to be. <laughs> but it, it is weird, because Kirk and McCoy, McCoy's medical opinion, as a dubious psychologist, which he kind of vacillates back and forth on... Mm-hmm. Is that in order for him not to hate women, he has to go just have sex with a woman, and then it will be fine. Because that's how that works. Good job, men who wrote and directed this episode. Between Robert Block and Diana Galbadon, they really think that sex therapy is the way to solve most (laughs) medical problems. I mean, stupid as it was, I actually thought this underplot thing was kind of interesting in a, like, because we're only just now starting to think about how brain injuries can affect behavior. Right. And how, like, there have actually been precedents set now where someone has one personality and then has a traumatic brain injury and then afterward becomes, like, like a, a murderer person. or a rapist and yeah. becomes a different person, but is judged to have diminished capacity because their brain was actually altered by whatever happened to them. So we're still kind of feeling this out, but what I got the impression of 
during this because Kirk says twice, I counted it and wrote it down, that if Scotty's concussion caused his personality to change and turn him into a murderer, mm-hmm. then he's not responsible. They say he is guilty, but, but not, not responsible, responsible. Which I actually thought was... Is in a way actually incredibly, uh, like... Modern. Modern. Yeah. Like, way more mo- more modern than now. Like, you get the impression that this is actually established in jurisprudence, that it's, like, it's actually part of their laws. Mm-hmm. So that's actually really interesting, because at this point, that would have been completely unheard of in either medical or legal, like, discourse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that part of it is interesting. I think there's actually a lot of interesting things about this yeah. episode. One of them is the very long crop shot of her shimmying for what felt like days. Like, 30 seconds. Like, like at days. this point... We're still dancing. Like, yep. she is still dancing yep. to this, this might day feel like at this we're, we're slow playing this intro, but no, we're still <laughs> watching her dance. <sighs> so my, my other favorite part, because sometimes they do really interesting things about the culture, is that after she has finished her sexy dance, um, Scotty starts banging on the table. Oh, God, this oh. actually really pissed me off. That this, was so inappropriate. You boorish foreigner. He just bangs on the table. And Kirk's like, Scotty, Scotty. <laughs> Like, they don't do that down. here. They, they use the light. the light. I liked that. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that was cute. Almost, and yeah. what was not cute was Scotty's follow-up, which is, don't tell an old Aberdeen pub dweller how to appreciate a woman. Yeah. You know who doesn't come off well in this episode? Scotty. Uh, Jack the Ripper. Yes. And Aberdeen. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> because after that, after Kirk's like, well, I bought you this, or I don't even know he bought it. No, no, no he, he just, just invited the woman. Like, yeah. I guess. And... And Scotty's like, you know what's the most sexy thing you can do with a lady? Walk in a deadly fog together. <laughs> and it later turns out, he doesn't even walk, like, with her. Like, they're not, like, holding hands no. or canoe. He walks ahead of her to not looking find back. the way. It's fog. Like, it's they like, walk out of the club with her hand in his arm, and I'm like, well, and then okay, he, like, whatever makes you guys happy. Then he shunts her behind him. Yeah. And, well, and from when we went out in the fog, because we follow, Kirk, like, Kirk and McCoy when they go out. Yeah. It's not, like, a dead, it's just, like, swirling around it's your It's normal feet. fog. It's, it's, like, knee-high fog. It's, like, Scotty, I thought you said you were from Aberdeen. Like, this is, like, it's unnatural fog, because, like, real but fog doesn't behave that way unless it comes s- from a smoke machine. Yeah, or a deadly fog monster. But seriously, Scotty, why are you so worried about the fog that you're, like, keeping the lady behind you? <laughs> it's a, you already have stated you are from a place with many fogs. And B, this is a planet with no crime. That's true. Like, there what are you worried about? What do you think's gonna happen? Tripping. Well, if you have seen the Stephen well, King's sure. Fog, well, sure. then, yeah, you better be ready. Mm-hmm. Or just, like, tripping hazards. Yeah, so Scotty goes out to abandon a lady in a fog, mm-hmm. and... And there's a scream. Well, Kirk, I want to... Oh, Kirk does his bit. captain's work is never done. It does, which I really liked. Um, oh, and then no. Kirk is also like, I know, to McCoy, I know a little place across town where the women and McCoy interrupt saying, I know the place. And this is kind of like a bit that they do. Yeah, twice. Where the women do what exactly? Don't uh, have their belly buttons covered? I I want to know. Because as soon as he says, <laughs> where the women do, McCoy's like, I know this. I know it. What is it that they do? My brain may, like burst into a rainbow of possibilities. Well, that's There's... why they did that. And also, they're going... Somewhere that's basically a whorehouse. I don't know. At that. the very least, there's probably a lot where of the women involved. do a really good milkshake. Maybe they sing. Oh, where the women do a really nice cappuccino. Yeah, sure, absolutely. We don't. No, know this whole sequence was making me think of. Have you guys ever heard "Band from Argo"? 
Okay, you guys should listen to this at some point. It is one of the only filks that I will listen to. Willingly. No, you said it is the a word fully filk. scored. No, I'm out. Well, it's it's a very very early one, so it's fully scored and it's written, and it's basically about the Enterprise crew going to a pleasure planet and getting banned because they behave so poorly. Oh, I have less interest in that. It's than like a body old sailor song. Uh, like 20% interest. Anyway, there's a terrible <laughs> scream. A terrible total Terrible scream. scream and they, they were running. They the rush over. Yeah. They, there's a corner body because sure. if you're a woman, you are not long for this episode. Nope. nope. Kirk looks over. She is face down. He says, she's dead. She's been stabbed a dozen times. How can How? you tell? How? It is dark. Well, she's also, also lying body. under the fog. Yeah. And she's point. wearing like this big fur cloak. That she it's, puts on when they go out. It's ridiculous. We go sense. over to, of course, he Scotty's doesn't even hold a tricorder. He just looks at her and goes, hmm, twelve. He's the best detective, hmm. as we will later learn. Scotty is holding a bloody knife covered in blood, blood all over, blood, and blood, 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 looking hella guilty. I think we could all and he's like out. up against the wall, going, <gasps> yes. you can't see my face, but <gasps> <laughs> yes, um. Again, people should ask the question at this point, where did he get that knife? That was my first question. Yeah. That's the only thing about this episode that I'm really not super clear on, is how exactly did Space Jack the Ripper frame him? Like, how did he make him forget and hold a bloody knife? Well, well I assume the forgetting was... The fear? Psychic. Yeah. The, the, the cloud has many powers. I'm going to talk about this later during the trial, hearing whatever, because yeah. that's not how memory works. But yeah, I assumed it was like psychic murder cloud powers. Yeah, and I assume... It was actually maybe in human form. Maybe it, like, bonked him on the head or did the googly-goo on him. Sure. Who cares? He has hysterical amnesia. <laughs> yeah. I really like that term. So, we now meet... Uh, Hengist? Mr. Hengist. Piglet. 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 <laughs> Chief or Inspector Piglet. Piglet. Yeah. Who is the administrator who is definitely a bad guy because every time this guy isn't Piglet, he's a bad guy. Um, yeah, like, all the ones that I remember him in. He just comes off like a bad guy. He comes off very He walks sinister. on screen and I'm like, oh, he's the killer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Because, so, this is a very Agatha Christie way of introducing someone, like, a, sort of like, like, this guy is uh, from Rigel 4. Oh, well, yeah, they bring their administrators in from off planet because they're too busy having fun, he says scornfully. Hmm. Um, so, here's some Agatha Christie red flags. This guy is from out of town. Yeah, he's an outsider. <laughs> yeah. Can't he's, in a, he's in a position of power. And yeah. he is culturally different from everyone around him. He's also the least likely suspect. Yes, yes. and therefore he is definitely the killer. <laughs> it's true. What I really liked about that is there, I mean, there's the kind of interplay like, oh, you can't believe that Scotty is guilty. And Kirk actually says, we are not from this planet. Yeah, I actually quite liked this. Um, I have a diplomatic duty here. It's not my planet. I, I have, have to follow to, their laws. We have to follow the laws. Mm. Which is bizarro because Kirk has spent his entire career not caring about anyone's else authority other than his own. Yeah. yeah. But this one he actually plays it cool. Well yeah. I think there's also because there's the threat hanging over them of having this place. If this if it's this strategic. investigation goes badly there's the threat of having this planet pulled as a port. Yes. Yeah. Can we port. talk about the prefect and his delicious outmaneuvering of Kirk? Oh him. he was perfect. He was a consummate delight. Yes. He was so chill and he was so aware of every possible outcome of and yeah, he's like, oh, by the way, what a shame it would be if your ships could no longer be here. But he isn't, like, sinister and he isn't, no. like, angry. He's just sort of, like, very calmly. It's like, yeah, just so that you know, I'm aware of all eventualities. He is like an but o- have a cup of tea. <laughs> he's like an Olympic-level schooner captain. Yeah. Just, like, 
zip, zip, He's an zip, amazing, zip. amazing politician. I'm actually really surprised he needed Piglet in the first place. Well, I really liked him because he's, like, he's from this planet. Yeah. He's in charge. He's obviously not, like, I'm 100% hedonist. No. But he's, like, on the ball. He knows what's going on. He was fab. Yeah. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad he made it to the end of this episode. Me too. Me Shame too. about his wife. Yeah. yeah. His poor, <laughs> his poor, poor, poor wife. So this part that you're talking about where Kirk is all like, we need to respect the local laws and sort of submit to their justice, which actually he, he does this speech a couple of times. In the yeah. Episode. Yes. Yes. Um, it reminded me a lot of, there's a next gen episode from the first season I know that I can't remember the title of, but it's, the, it's got the, the planet is, is the people are the Edo and they all wear um, bandage bandage strap outfits and they try and execute Wesley for stepping on the oh, grass. Oh yeah. And that's yeah. the thing where like he breaks their laws, he's supposed to be tried by their justice and there's a whole debate about yeah. are we just going to let him fall, like literally be murdered for walking on the the grass yeah. or are we going to just be like no i think that was slightly a slightly more extreme situation though too because in the next gen episode they're very like yeah this is completely arbitrary and even ito admit yes it's completely arbitrary but it is our laws it's a, it, i think next gen does a really good job of exploring cultural relativism yeah in the way that this does a little bit yeah um, Except in this case, it's pretty clear cut. While well, somebody was fucking someone murdered. murdered someone, <laughs> they didn't step on yeah, the grass. No. They extinguished a life. Yeah, but yeah, the prefect like swishes in in this amazing like black. That was a kid. Do you want to take this like? black cape affair. It's, that's, a, that's the best description. It's a black cape affair. <laughs> yeah, it's With, like, the sparkliest turtleneck. Yeah, also the sleeves had some really amazing detailing mm-hmm. on them, too. He looks ami- He looks like a he's wizard. Office. Oh, yes, he definitely looks like And he's like, they're like, we have to respect the law. And he swishes in and he's like, the law is love. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> love you! And he's I like, just, I love that they managed to convincingly create an entire culture based on what the outsiders describe as hedonism, but they don't come off as silly or or, no, or no. like immature or anything. They're just like they're very committed to this ideal. <laughs> I'm just like, good, you do you guys. They are very committed to good times. He also introduces his wife, who he obviously adores. Yes. yes. I, I like that he travels with her everywhere. She's yeah. like, I gotta pop down to see a murder. Wanna come? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they reminded me of? They reminded me of Gomez and Morticia Adams. Oh, that kind of relationship. Her hair was huge. Her so hair was amazing and it was full of jewels. Yeah. Her hair had its own gravitational feel. It was incredible. Yeah. Like, her outfit is also amazing. Oh, so yeah. sparkly. We have so seen really. a lot of big Star Trek hair. Yes. But hers is up there with the best of it. It really holds its own. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and it's funny because the first time you see him before he starts talking, he's very sort of grand vizier looking. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, now I'm not sure about Piglet. And then he starts speaking. I'm like, no, it's still Piglet. It's still Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great because, yeah, he swishes and he's like, oh, yeah, BT Top, this is my wife, Cebu. She's amazing. Yes. She has psychic powers. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, uh, 200 years ago when we had the Great Awakening, when we realized that work is for stupid people. Yes. Uh, we also had psychic powers that we yes. apparently just kind of went meh which you find out throughout the episode that they're random members of the fem- the yes the, like random ladies in the society have psychic powers it's just like it pops up every now and then <laughs> yeah they, well they used to be priestesses Ooh. yeah well this is actually yeah. i think the first time we meet a humanoid 
race other than Vulcans who do have telepathic or empathic powers that they actually acknowledge, yes, this is definitely true. It is interesting, mm-hmm. um, especially since Spock at a certain point is like, don't trust her. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, he hedges it. He's like, so I've looked into this. It looks pretty legit, but the way that she's applying it doesn't seem... No, Malarkey. Enough. Spock just doesn't believe her. Spock's jealous that other people got to touch faces. That's true. That's very possible. She didn't true. have to touch faces. She is that good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I feel like we did not really explore the Greek taverna, like, vibe going through this weird place. I would like to bring attention to the colorful rainbow lamp in the top right-hand corner. It was corner. a very rainbow lamp. Yep. And the weird fake vines going through the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Details I did not pick up on. That's fair. Her sexy dance was very distracting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And pink and sparkly. So at this point, Kirk and the prefect Jarvis. and Piglet are trying to kind of like work together to solve this. Using... And Piglet is immediately becoming obstructionist in an incredibly suspicious yeah. way. So they're trying to use both the technology and the weird psychic powers to determine the truth. And all except... of them have, yeah. except for Piglet, obviously, yeah. because he's evil, are trying to... Gently and diplomatically work their way to figure out exactly what Everybody happened. It was so mature. It was delightful. Mm-hmm. But at this point, um, I would like to bring up the concept of the psycho tricorder. Oh, it was nonsense. Absolute malarkey. Yeah. So apparently, something that they have just been keeping a secret and not <laughs> using when it would have been really useful is a psycho tricorder that can give you a detailed account of the last 24 hours of what happened to a person, conscious or subconsciously. This is extreme nonsense. This is hella nonsense. It's hella nonsense, and it's one of my least favorite things that happens in sci-fi. It was like, oh, look, we have this specific situation, and we have this mysterious tool that we've never talked about before, or will ever mention again, yeah. that fits the situation That's perfectly. That's the thing. It's never mentioned again. Oh. In fact, we have numerous examples of uh, Federation personnel encountering alien races who have technology like this, and they're totally blown away by it. Like, I have no problem with the idea of a specialized tool to, like, monitor brainwaves or whatever, but, like, the whole reading... That's not how memory works. And it definitely wouldn't work if he, as we have had, like, blasted in our face repeatedly, has brain damage. Also, I would like to point out, they never actually use it. No, they never manage to get through a single time. No! No, they don't. That's nope. true. There is a thing that could easily solve all of our problems, but due to reasons, mm-hmm. we are unable to work it. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been better if we had just left this out altogether and just brought down, like, a fancy polygraph. Like, there's no reason at all to have the stupid psycho tricorder. Like, if you wanted to have a thing that is brought down that could solve everything, but then is tragically interrupted by, spoiler, the fact that this poor tech no. is immediately murdered. R.I.P. Karen Tracy. Poor Karen Tracy. I just called her starkly blonde. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, she, she had, had a name. name. <laughs> but, like, if we wanted to, like... There's no need for this to be, like, a miracle thing that we could use to solve all problems if we never get to use it. Also, we could have solved a lot of problems in previous episodes by using this, yeah. but we just yeah. chose not to. And then to. they never mentioned it again. No. But I love this because this is where the prefect does a little bit of a power play. He's like, it was a... Our people are scared. It would be such a shame if we had to close our port. The only one in this quadrant. Yeah. While offering him a drink. <laughs> yes. And Kirk just looks outplayed. Mm-hmm. He really was. Because you know that Kirk had all, like, an itemized list of, like, oh shit, ways this could go wrong in his head. And he spells them out for him. Yep. So they they beam down this tiny blonde technician, who is obviously not long for this world, because as soon as she showed up, both Ari and I watching this episode went, oh no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't 
Not to say that women in Starfleet are not capable of defending themselves or anything, but why not send down someone with, like, a phaser with her? Yeah, you know, the fact that there's been at least one murder, you'd think that at least some people will be armed. Although it's possible that Argelia doesn't allow weapons. Oh yeah, weapons. that's fair. That's like, fair. it seems reasonable that they wouldn't. But they put her alone in a room with the prime suspect of a violent and gruesome murder. Yeah. Alone. Even, wait, did they do that in Silence of the Lambs? Well, they said that they, they, cage, they, they, said they needed privacy so that it would just read Scotty or whatever. But not then has everybody it, else. Yeah. I don't know. This no, is stupid. Nonsense. It's very nonsense. Unallowed. Because she immediately gets murdered. Yeah. Oh, so murdered. Very. And they actually have a shot of her body. Again, face down on the ground. We actually with see the stab wounds this time. wounds, which I thought was quite shocking. Yeah, that was unnecessary. It was. 1960s. Yeah, it was not, not, didn't help the episode. Like, we know she's dead. We heard the scream. You know, it's, we can assume. It's really funny because it's still true now that, um, like, the U.S. and other countries will rate television much differently vis-a-vis sex and violence. Like, other countries will rate violence higher than sex. The U.S. always rates sex higher. And this is a pretty stark example where they had to have long, complicated discussions about covering that first poor murdered lady's belly button, but I bet they didn't even glance at the scene with the dozen stab wounds. It is, and we can talk about, you know, the long, long long tradition of dead female bodies on television. Oh, yes. Uh, the ignoble tradition of just displaying them like pieces of art. Or, or set. Or props. Yeah, essentially a dead woman's body is a prop and... Well, hell, a live woman's body is often a prop. That is true. But dead women especially, like if we're talking about like the CSI era and... Oh, God. Yeah. The strange positioning of that. So this just carries in that long, ignoble tradition of a woman's dead body is no big thing. Yep. Well, that's so, like, for all that there were three women murdered in this show, it was not about them at all. It was no. about all the men and their investigations, and is Scotty guilty? Yeah. And that was not cool. Unfortunately, well, that, though, very, that very is, common. That is the... Same thing. The fundamental trope of the murder mystery is that often it's not about the victim themselves. It's about uncovering the truth or discovering the secret of why they are dead. But it is kind of wretched that there is very little... Usually, like, you can have your one emotional beat where it's like, oh, they were a person. Yeah. But you don't even get that, really, in this. You get it for Tracy. You get it for the first one. For Tana. Yeah, Yeah, you do. You get an emotional beat for her. And you kind of get it for the wife. Yeah. But not for, for poor, poor Lieutenant Karen Tracy, there is not a moment. Let's say her well, name she's again. dead just Lieutenant like the other Karen one. Karen Tracy. Yeah. We saw you. She was stabbed over and over and oh over my God. again. And we saw every single stab wound. Yeah. So they go back, and of course, Scotty doesn't remember anything. That's his story. He's sticking to it. And um, McCoy is kind of looking over, and at this point, I had a very strange moment. DeForest Kelly is very good at being still. Yeah. It's actually a little unsettling. He, in this shot, Scotty is having his big emotional moment, and he's kind of framed. Again, Joseph Pevney, uh, director of this episode, liked this shot. Well oh, done. yes. This was... Uh, yeah. Where DeForest Kelly is on his side, and then framing that, like the, the voice of logic and reason and medical things, and Scotty is there having this kind of slightly emotional breakdown. Um, yeah, I really like that shot. Mm-hmm. It was um, good. There was a lot of really good framing in this episode. Agreed. And and there's the point where Scotty's like, I'm trying. He's almost crying. He's breaking down. And DeForest Kelly, or McCoy, is like, he has a head injury. Yeah. yeah. Um, really interesting. Oh, as a 
<laughs> again, because this entire time, Sibu is just kind of like doing Tai Chi to the fire. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's very Fire Nation. Oh, yes. Very, very. Oh, she was extremely Fire Nation. Yeah. Yes. I loved her so much. They also bring in the other two suspects who are obviously not guilty. Yeah. Slash witnesses. Yeah. Kirk, like, spins around accusing them. He goes to the first older guy. You did it. You did it. You kept looking at her. And the guy is like, she danced for me since she was a little girl. Since she was a little girl, she danced for me. She was my daughter. I think I would lead with one and then follow oh, with the, the other. other. Yeah. yeah. When he did the whole she danced for me, I was like, girl. Oh, I was like, oh, how long has she been working there? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the way that Kirk asks that particular question kind of does demand the 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 contextual relationship first. But like, yeah, it would have made more sense if he'd led with that. Yeah. She was my daughter. She, she also danced for me since she was a yeah. little girl. But this poor guy, like, he does not get a moment to grieve. Nope. He does not get an acknowledgement of, God damn, this must be very difficult for you. Your daughter to have been, like, it feels like the first murdered person in 200 years. Yep. Yeah. Also, I'm really, cause, because um, it's Piglet who goes off and brings these guys in. Yeah. He's not Argalian, so you would think he would, like, have an idea to, in the real world, they would have introduced these two people. Because the other guy is her fiancé. Yes. It's like you would introduce them that way because they would explain any of their behavior or strangenesses or biases or, or emotional state. It's like you would definitely in the real world introduce these people as the murdered girl's father and, and fiance. Yeah. Not but just no. like, they were randomly in the area. What a yeah. coincidence. That is the only two guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. It also, yes, Morla is her fiance yeah. and her dad is not so much pissed that she's been murdered, but really pissed at this guy because yeah. he was jealous of her. Yes. yes. I really really liked this. Uh, I also liked that this fiancé, um, they also tried framing him as a suspect because in the opening where we're watching her yeah. dancing yeah. for 50 years, we do cloak. get a few, sh- yeah, he's in a murder cloak yeah. in the restaurant and we do get a few shots of him watching intently yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's suspicious. Yep. He was very, very good at being suspicious. Mm-hmm. I do like that the biggest taboo in this society is being jealous yeah, because well, I presumably, like that. presumably any emotions that could lead to like discord would be heavily taboo. But also a sense of trying to impinge on the pleasure of others. Yeah, is yeah. that everyone is capable of making their own decisions for themselves, and when you try to start taking away that agency from someone else, yeah. you're taking away their pleasure. All fear is the fear of loss. Yeah, no, I did like that, and I liked that. That's what her father was outraged about his treatment of her. Is he, he he was jealous of her, and yeah. therefore completely unsuitable. Yeah. Yeah, but I do like that he's like, I couldn't take it, so I left. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable response, bro. Yeah. Like, walk it off. Yeah. He doesn't go and confront her. He doesn't punch anyone in the face. He just takes a walk. Like, like an adult. And that's the other thing is we don't really have any context as to where their relationship currently is in the breakup stage. Did they, like, break up, like, two days ago and he's, like, come there to, like, see his fiance and maybe see if he's, like, ready to apologize? Well, yeah. Or have they been broken up for six months and he's still in the creepy stalking (laughs) phase? Yeah, they're actually deliberately very vague about this because what her father says is they were to be married. And I don't know if that past tense is because they were no longer to be married or... We don't Because know. it's past tense now, because she's dead. He does have a very good cloak. And he a very does. good vest. Mm-hmm. A lot a of vest, vest action on this planet. Mm-hmm. Lots of embroidery. Yeah, so McCoy comes up because they want to know if could anyone have snuck in into the room where Scotty and... Oh, yeah, by the way, there's definitely another door. Yeah, out to the garden. This and actually bugged me. McCoy comes up and says, the tricorder can't tell if the lock has been picked. Why the fuck bother using it then? Why would a tricorder be able to tell if a lock is being Well, I can actually think of several reasons. Like, if you pick a lock 
and you're not like a super expert and the lock's not in amazing condition, you would probably like scratch it or damage it and you should be able to detect that. Then also you'd be able to tell through visual inspection. Yeah, yes. that was my other thing. It's like, okay, but if it hasn't been opened in years, you would definitely be able to tell if the lock had been picked. Yeah. I so was just, this was bullshit. Why it was so freaking stupid. And like literally my note here is the door is inconclusive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Basically, yes. Why did we have to do this? Why did you have it to wasn't going to actually be a clue. Yeah. But you know what might be conclusive? A seance. <gasps> yes. Yes, that's definitely the way to solve murder. So good. There is, it's so amazing. So psychic wife is going to like psychically psychic it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... Kirk is like, well, before we do that, we have to seal the room. The prefect has a special button on his console that seals the room. Oh, you see all the doors yeah. dramatically one after yep. another yep. closing. That was amazing. So good. Spock telephones in to say, don't trust women. Kirk says, oh. <laughs> they have their own customs and their own laws. And while we are here, we must follow their laws. In a strangely adult moment yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. There is a amazing overhead shot of them in a circle, and the floor is, like, in this beautiful star pattern, yeah. and they're all sitting around the table holding hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does some amazing, like, ooh, let's all look into the flame on the altar of truth, baby. Extreme fire nation. And her hair, like, oh. the jewels in her hair are, like, reflecting the fire mm-hmm. in so intently. Oh, Very impressive. I was getting mesmerized just yep. watching this. It is so great. And she's like, let the circle not be unbroken. And, and there's, like, amazing mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. And then it starts being mesmerizing when she actually finally keys into what's going on and starts being like, oh, shit, I sense an ancient and terrible evil. Yeah, and no one seems surprised. Like, yeah. Well, we don't see anybody legit. else's faces during this. She's a great performer. She does. Mm-hmm. She is. She's like, oh, there's something terrible here. Fear, anger, hatred, a monstrous ancient evil. Yep. Hatred of women. <laughs> and she yells a bunch of names. The first one is Rajak. I don't have the other ones written down. Uh, it's the, also the hunger that never dies. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got this. It's Rajak and then something like Kesla and Baratus. 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 Yes. Look at me writing things out. I'm very impressed. And then the lights go out, which she of screams. course could only mean one thing. Murder. Yeah. Murder. It's murder time. This time, <laughs> this was like, I was like, okay. We're really ramping up. <laughs> really gone all the way trying to make Scotty look guilty yeah. on this yeah. one. Scotty, how about you just like sit down don't involve yourself. <laughs> like, Do you come back up and she's super dead and Scotty's just like holding her. And there's it's a so... giant knife in her back. You know what? I, I mean, absent from context, I actually thought this particular thing, like this particular action was quite gracefully executed. Because you remember the one um, in Friday's Child where we get, we come back from the commercial and Kirk's holding up that red shirt. Yeah. And it's obviously like, come on, let's go back to commercial. My legs are getting tired. <laughs> and you can totally see, like that was so clumsy. This one was much better. Hmm. Because she's just sort of, everyone is literally frozen in shock. Except for Scotty, who bounded over and grabbed the dead lady in his arms. Yeah, that's weird, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Seriously, are you paying attention to what's happening? He really, he is very easy to frame, but as I have said again and again, Scotty is very stupid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, again, they're having a lot of responsibility. The prefect cannot understand how someone has done this. <laughs> Why would you kill my super hot and amazing wife? Why? How could anyone do it? And I like that he's visibly upset. Yes. Like, this is probably the worst thing that has ever happened in his life. 
Well, it is, because his wife was amazing. Yeah. And he loved his wife he a did. lot. I would read sweet, sweet fan fiction of that. Yes. For, like, his, his entire interaction with his wife is being like, have you met my wife? She's amazeballs. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, this is Gomez and Morticia Adams. There's a really clever essay somewhere online about how he refers to, where Gomez Adams refers to Morticia as sublime, but he means it in the gothic sense, where... The, the sublime is something that should make you fall to your knees in awe and terror and, and, and disbelief about how amazing something is. That mm. was a Tumblr post. Yes, it was a Tumblr post. What's an essay? It counts. It's like but, a paragraph. But yeah, but that's what this reminded me of is like, that's how he treats his wife, that she is just incredible and amazing and awe-inspiring. And yeah. then she gets murdered. And even on top of like the normal shock and astonishment you would get from someone having their spouse murdered, this is a culture where this does not happen. No, it's very upsetting. So Kirk's like, well... On our ship, just a suggestion, BT yeah. dubs, like, we have some things get to, that can do the conscious Science. and unconscious mind, like, and the prefect is like, fine, but just to let you know, should we find him guilty, the law that we have actually not bothered to change in 200 years. is very years, irresponsible. Yeah. yeah, is that you will have to die by slow torture. Sorry. This is right up there with you're allowed to shoot a Scotsman on a Sunday. Yeah. Sort of that law. We just didn't get around to it. Yeah. It's not that we really believe in it, but it would take a lot of time, so... Just, you know, Heads bureaucracy. Up. Heads up. I do like that he checks. Everybody okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> so they beam up to the ship in what is a, like, 30-minute courtroom drama scene. Yeah. Again, Star Trek likes its courtroom drama stuff. It really Very does. law and order. Like, the first yeah. half of the episode was the investigation portion, and then the second half is the courtroom <laughs> drama. Yep. Where is Jack McCoy to save us now? <laughs> so... They have a truth chair, which they have never bothered to bring out, <laughs> Although, and nor will bother again. Okay, I have some objections to the truth chair. Um, because they use the truth chair... Objection! Mul- <laughs> yeah, carried. They use the, the truth chair multiple times in later hearings in other Star Trek. Sustained. However, here's a very important distinction between what he describes as... Uh, Kirk describes that the machine... What do you call it? The verifier? Something wow. like that. Yeah, no, I wasn't some paying dumb attention. Space it is the verifier. Yes. Kirk says the truth machine will detect any deviation from factual truth. And I call bullshit unless the truth machine can also travel through time and objectively observe it. Which you can't do. You can't objectively observe time. But that's the thing with Scotty. Like, I think they're trying to determine whether he's lying or not that he doesn't remember what happened. I think my problem with this is that there is a difference between detecting, like, the sat like like with, without a shadow of a doubt whether someone is telling the truth or not, or at least whether they believe they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. And what is factually true? These are completely different things. The second one would never ever be allowed in a court of law because you, like I just said, cannot be sure of that unless the machine can objectively observe time. And even on the first hand, like polygraph tests are inadmissible in court because there are so many variables not and things then. that can go wrong. Well, they didn't use it then. It was brand think, new technology. Think, again, this is supposed to be like a polygraph test where it's supposed to be able to say whether he's lying or not that he doesn't remember what happened. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to figure that out. Is, that's, yeah. that's the truth that they're trying to get to. That's really the only useful thing the truth machine does. Yeah. Yeah. So they talk about it. And again, we want to really have a moment for the poor space secretary who's in the room as the only <laughs> woman and all of us just went, oh, no. I actually wrote down in my notes, is this a good idea? <laughs> yeah. Maybe at this point you should find a male identifying or non-gender identifying alien member of the crew to do this because, uh... Or just use a tape recorder. But this verifier chair is amazing. Yeah. It has a nice little pad where you can put your drink and or your hand so it can tell if you're lying or not. (laughs) Yeah. It is also covered in the most grotesquely ugly fabric I have ever seen. (laughs) 
ever seen. Like, if you're going to do that, you might Even as well coordinate Trek? it. <sighs> like, in context. No. Mm-hmm. In context, it seems very sensible yeah. and strange. Sedate. <laughs> like, professional. <laughs> Agreed. So, yeah, the computer is like, well, he's not lying. And he's like, I don't remember the first two murders, but the third, third. one. Yeah. I do. I heard her scream. It was dark. I ran over to help her. Like, with what, Scotty? But anyway. <laughs> but I couldn't. What was your plan? I couldn't. Yeah. And Kirk is like, what? What, what do you mean you couldn't? What do you mean you couldn't? He's like, well, I ran into something. Something Someone. Some. Thing. thing. And he describes it as just, like, cold and dark. It was like a draft out of a slaughterhouse. Yeah. That, good line. That is a good line. That is my only line that I'm giving to Robert Block. Everything else, he gets nothing. <laughs> a draft out of a slaughterhouse. A draft out of a slaughterhouse. Mm. And then he says, it's like a draft out of the slaughterhouse. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I do not. Yeah. You are going to have to use words that I understand here. And, yeah. it. So, and... Like, this 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 courtroom scene goes on for, like, a good ten minutes before we start to address the, like, ancient hungry evil that she was yelling about when she was clearly murdered to stop her talking about that exact thing. It's crazy because Mora takes the stand and Dad kind of takes the stand saying she didn't love you after all, so they're trying to establish, like, other people, yeah. but... And then Kirk is out, well... Let's just set all this aside and go on this crazy wild goose chase. Yeah. About, so, let's assume that there is an evil entity that just kills things and is also a gas. Yeah. That is monstrous and evil and destroys all life and death. we've never seen that before. Let's go back to that. Yeah. Oh, and this is the thing that Star Trek does. It drives me up the wall. They're like, here's a wild assumption. It must be true. Except it's not a wild assumption because we've seen murder clouds before already. And she was yelling about that exact thing when she was murdered in the middle of a sentence to stop her from continuing saying that thing. So anyone with a shred of narrative awareness at this point mm-hmm. should at least be going, okay, but just as an option. I do like that at some point they're like, maybe the lady was legit. Yeah. Let's just investigate the possibility of It feels that. very much like they actually had a list of like, okay, possible motives, possible explanations, and this was at least on it. Yeah. So Although like- if it were me, that would have been my first question. So they go through the names that she shouted out at the end, and it mm-hmm. turns out that Rejack, Rejack, Rejack was Red Jack. Yeah, was it Red Jack? Red yeah. Jack. When they oh. when they had the computer read it back, it was Red Jack. Because I go going Red Jack, yeah. as in like re as. Well, in what she learning. yells is Red Jack, and they have to do this like voice to text because they talk to the computer instead yeah. of typing, and they only have what she said. So they ask the computer the first time, and they only ask Red Jack. Red Jack. And yeah, it doesn't sound like Red Jack, but the computer comes back with nothing because that's a nonsense word. Um, although I have an objection that if it's searching the Federation's entire linguistics banks, surely there's another word that sounds like that somewhere. So whatever. That's fair. Um, and then they ask it to, I guess, expand the search. And the computer comes back with, oh, you meant Red Jack. There he, it, it, Google, AKA, it Googles this crime. It Googles yes. the crime. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you mean Red Jack, a.k.a. Jack the, the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, and catches up with what kind of story they're in. Well, <laughs> no one is surprised, as surprised as they should be. Well, no. that was the other thing that got me is like, these people on this alien planet know Jack the Ripper by name immediately. I mean, he has survived a hundred years. Why not a hundred more? Oy. It's more like 300 years at this point. That was in the 1800s. Well, yeah, but this is the 
Jack the oh, Ripper right now. Oh, yes. Like, now. we yes. all know who Jack the Ripper is. Yeah, Jack absolutely. the Ripper is a trope that shows up apparently in everything. Even yep. Well, according to other sci-fi franchises, it is a very well-known, uncaught but even, mass murderer. even the prefect knows who it is, which yeah. is kind of bonkers. Yeah, that was the part that got me, is, like, all these aliens know who immediately, oh, Jack the Ripper! Right! That red Jack! I wish they're like, wait a minute, that's crazy. The prefect says, a man cannot survive all those centuries. And I'm like, guys, you are in space! <laughs> Although, fortunately, this disbelief is short-lived compared to other, okay, but you're in space, ridiculous Because they disbelief. Google it. They Google it, yeah. Um, and they're like, Kirk basically says, okay, yeah, if he was a man, he couldn't still be alive. So, obviously, he wasn't a man. Yeah, he was a thing. He was a thing. And Spock goes, well, humanoids only make up a small percentage of known life forms, which I liked. That was a nice yeah. little mm-hmm. nod to how crazy space can be. Crazy space is. And um, <laughs> sustenance from emotion is not unknown in the galaxy. So, like, yeah. So they go through Let's a list back of... It up. Yeah. yeah, they go through things that feed on emotion. Like, apparently there's one that feeds off of love. Yeah. They go for hungry in this household. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but, no... It's, it's like, it's not crazy. It feeds off of death. Even vegetarians feed off of death, says Spock. Technically. <laughs> yeah. And sure. that fear is a really strong emotion. And if an emotion is energy, then anything could feed off of anything. And yeah, I mean, it follows in a crazy space sort of way. Yeah, that, sure. it's, a, that it's a massive energy, but it's highly cohesive. Yeah, it can so assume physical form. This is one of my most and least favorite things they do during the courtroom drama scenes in Star Trek, where they get to a certain point, they go premise granted, and then they go, okay, computer, time to make an impossible intuitive plot leap. Okay, this is also where Spock got on my shit list. <gasps> oh, yes. Because oh, then he no. says, I think it goes after women, because they're more easily terrified. They're and deeply and easily terror- terrorized. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not an expert, but I am pretty sure that current science proves that the opposite is true, but whatever. Spot. I was like, that is like the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And if women are more afraid of men, it's because they've been murdered by them throughout <laughs> yes. history. More often so it's than not men that have been we're murdered more by women. Or deeply terrified. It's that we have a better <laughs> honed sense of self-preservation. We also have more reason, reason. to yeah. be yeah. afraid. <laughs> God yeah, damn! This I, is, it's this, a terrible moment. It was an awful line. It was like it's a nonsense. So line. bad. Yeah. Like, why not go after children? Children are afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Children are yeah. Children are very easily scared. My nephew gets scared of the bathtub. Or hey, old white right wing people. They're scared of everything. It it was such an awful moment. It was a terrible line. It an awful moment in an episode of awful thing, which is all about murdering women. And yes. then it's like, well, women are just so weak and scared, scared. of everything. Scared like tiny bunnies. Their voices are really high and annoying. Yeah, because then they start to go through a list of unsolved crimes, including killing a whole bunch of women, which is frankly one of the most depressing things I've ever no, seen. That's that's everything was. It was mass murders of women who had been stabbed to death. Yeah. yeah. So they, where the person had not been caught. Yeah. And then Great. Spock is like, so that's a straight line from Earth to this planet we're on right now. And the, well, the thing was, the computer was like, this is just a small sample. Would you like me to go on? Yeah. No, thank you. No, thanks. That's Please enough. stop. Boy. Like, the poor, the poor, like, lieutenant who has to go and compile this report to inform all those other planets that, oh, by the way, we've solved your mass murders. They can do it. It's their job. Yeah, apparently the killer was last on Rigel for they swoop over to Piglet. It's like, it's like a dun-dun-dun. It was actually comical. You come from Rigel for... It's not a crime! Yeah, the last murders were, like, a year ago. You showed up a year ago! Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And what a great planet this would be because the people are as peaceful as sheep with an yeah. enemy as hungry as the wolf. And here, I know that this is like a classic I'm reference. Hungry like the but I feel wolf. the need to step in on behalf of wolves. Manana, and I'm hungry like the wolf. Anyway. Anyway. Wolves who are unfriendly stereotypes. But, um... Yeah. So the knife. Okay. Also, I have an important question. Okay. Is it so, maybe the same question that I have about the knife? So they look at him, and he. there's a moment of silence after he's done defending himself, and, yeah. himself, and everyone is like, so... And everyone qu- calmly logics out in front of him, yes. and ignoring him, goes, so this, 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 and this reason, oh, it's definitely you. And there's this moment of really awkward silence while he looks around, and then he leaps up! <laughs> And he grabs... He turns into a different person. Turns into a different person. Visibly. Grabs the... Like, yeah. He starts yelling and tries to make a break for it. And does. Okay. Kirk punches him to death. Yeah. yeah. One punch. One punch. One punch Kirk. Just there one. is also a moment where, after they do all the speculation, they're like, well, let's take a look at that murder weapon. Yes. yes. And they yes. go to this, like, live screen of someone's hands. Whose hands was just kind of like holding the knife? They did say they had sent it off to analysis or whatever. Back to the lab. (laughs) It's just somebody holding it up for display. Star Trek CSI. Crazy. Star Trek CSI. But yeah. Oh, I would watch that series. If the new Discovery is actually Star Trek CSI, I would watch. Super on Federation. There's a couple of really good episodes of DS9 that are people investigating crimes, like Odo doing it and Bashir doing it. They're great episodes. Mm -hmm. I would definitely also watch watch. that. Would watch. But yeah, the guy. He he does like a giant side kick. Yeah, it's yeah. a Kirk kick. Kirk, it's a Kirk kick. It's Kirk. It's Kirk Fu. He does Kirk Fu, and then Kirk one punches him, and then yeah. he's dead. And they're like, "Oh, no. okay." I have a question for the group. Yeah, sorry. Do we think that this guy, the actual person who was possessed, has he been dead the whole time, or did he die because it left him? I think he died because it left him. Because it possesses other people who don't die. Who don't die? I think he was dead, or does it just suck out all of the? Fear energy, and that's what kills him. But because it's trying to get away. Inconclusive information. Yes, very. You like that? Yeah, I did. I like that. Very nice. I'm pretty proud of myself. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes Ghost in the Machine, the Mm -hmm. classic X Files episode. Obviously, it has jumped into the computer. Yeah. So they take a look at the view screen, and it's like crazy clouds. Their original vision for this was like women, like. On top of broomsticks, like humping goats and like snakes and upside down crucifixes. Thank you for whoever ve- whoever vetoed that. Yeah. So now we just get like swirling psychedelic clouds. But yeah. they're bad clouds. Bad they're clouds. bad. They're clouds. bad news clouds. Bad clouds. You can tell because they're not in primary colors. <laughs> yes. The one with them was blue. Yeah, but they're it was cool a colors. Deep blue. <laughs> anyway, so the ghost is in the machine. It's going to feed on everyone's fear. And Kirk's instructions to everyone are just <laughs> stay here and don't be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> And he, <laughs> God. Plan B is to drug everyone so that they're yeah. really chill this with everything. Can we Let just give everyone guy. some Valium? Yeah, yes. he's like, can we tranquilize him? McCoy's like, I can tranquilize an active volcano. <laughs> McCoy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is their plan. This is their plan. Yeah. So yeah, they Kirk and Spock are going towards the bridge where they're going to like drug people up and do some kind of jiggery pokey. The girl behind them as they're walking, I challenge you guys to go back and watch this scene, has, like, 
is doing like the Leonardo DiCaprio happy strut. <laughs> she's just arms swinging. Yeah. Happiest day. She's having a great day. Happy day. We don't know that she's with Dragulas. I think she's just generally very happy. She's having a good day. It's been a very good day. Mm-hmm. They also go directly to an elevator on a machine that is being controlled by an evil Jack the Ripper serial killer gas cloud. Yes. <laughs> Guys. Well, energy cloud, actually, it must be. Oh, fine. Oh, yeah. technicalities. Well, a gas cloud couldn't possess the computer, but an energy cloud definitely could. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right there with you, Ari. <laughs> For I'm sure. Glad we cleared they that spend, up, like, right? They spent, like, 35 seconds talking Super about... Super glad. I was like, so concerned that we absolutely. wouldn't get there. They spent, like, like 35 seconds talking about changes of state and whether it's gas or energy, Okay. They come right down on it must be energy. That's the ridiculous intuitive plot loop they instruct the computer to make. Sure. So they get onto an elevator, which is controlled by a evil Jack the Ripper serial killer. Serial killer electric cloud. Sure. Fine. Which clearly first job takes out the elevator, which they're easily easily like manual. They like like, poke a button. They're like, oh, it's on manual. No worries, guys. No worries. (sighs) Um. It goes into the life support systems, because of course it does, because it's wanting to terrorize them. And it comes over the main speaker and just starts <laughs> threatening everyone. They're all going to die! But in Piglet's voice. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to turn off the life support! You can imagine the way the arms. Yeah, it's very much like Haunted House. Yeah. Yes. Except when you're in grade four. I'm going to kill you! Yeah. It's great, because everyone on the bridge is like, uh, Kirk does not bother to explain. And Sue's like, that's the stupid. first time that a malfunction has threatened us. <laughs> Kirk's like, shut up, have drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so they methodically drug the crap out of everyone. This is where the episode actually got really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Spock's plan to get it out of the computer is to tell the computer to calculate pi so that it has to use all of its processing power to do that. And there's no room in the computer for the monster. Which yeah. isn't a terrible plan. I guess. Sure. Fine. Whatever. And then they go back into the courtroom where... (laughs) Does every ship have a courtroom set? I think it's just like a hearing room because this isn't like the courtroom set. It's like the the boardroom set but with the magic chair. This can't be the courtroom set because there are no flags. Yeah. There's also like risers in the courtroom Mm -hmm. set. No bell. bell. The bell's ringing. Yeah. So they go back to the courtroom where everyone is just chilling. McCoy is drugging everyone up. So he's strategically drugged everyone except for Spock who's probably immune. Kirk... Who himself is and Jarus, who's the prefect, whom they should have drugged immediately. Yeah, and everyone and is then super of course, chill there. It's it's there's a good line because mm-hmm. Kirk's like, well, what if it jumps into someone who's drugged? And Bones is like, well, it might take up knitting. <laughs> <laughs> so your options are serial murder or knitting. <laughs> if you kept him in a knitting body, he could mm. just make the crew scarves. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should have really. I think that was a viable alternative. You know, that a climate-controlled environment would always be very warm or very cold, probably, and no one would be pleased. Because... At least my experience with HVAC systems. Yeah, so of course it goes into the prefect. It tries to strangle Kirk, and then it jumps into like Giggle Pig. Yeah, who's dead, by the way? So apparently, it can possess dead bodies. That's new information. That's pretty scary. Yeah. And then he jumps up and grabs the poor uh, space poor secretary. Recorder, space secretary. Yeah, and. Grabs her. She laughs. Yeah, she laughs. I loved her. She was having a great time. But 
Where the? That's not the same knife. It's a new knife. Where the fuck is did it that come? Knife? It's a new knife. Because the, the original knife is all weird and curvy, and we yeah. know that the original knife is in the who lab is, somewhere. Who had a knife? That's my question. Where I the fuck did that knife come from? Yeah, it's a completely different knife because the other one is in the lab on another part of the ship entirely. We can only see by view screen. God damn it! Right? I guess. I guess the. Like, like Piglet was packing, or maybe they like stashed knives under the table in the just in room. case, like in Mirrorverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, fine, <laughs> acceptable. But he grabs her. She giggles. Bones, like I don't know that he saunters. He like oozes over to this guy's like, put that down. You gonna hurt somebody? Because <laughs> everyone is very unconcerned. Because yeah. they're all high. No as one balls. cares. No one cares. And so, of course, Kirk drugs Piglet, mm-hmm. and Piglet is actually quite creepy. You're yeah. all gonna die! No! Yeah. This is gonna haunt my nightmares. And nope. so they take him over and they shoot him into space. They don't shoot him into they space. They beam him into they space. They beam him into space. They disintegrate him, and then, yeah. rather than reassembling him, just disperse him. On a wide beam. Yeah. Yeah, so they dematerialize him. They beam him out, dematerialize. And then Spock actually lays it out. He's like, oh, no, no. All the bits of his consciousness are just going to float in space separately forever. The why, end. Why is that an option that you have on your transport? You would think there would be some pretty goddamn heavy safety protocols to keep you from deliberately disassembling like, someone. That's the opposite point of a transporter. Yeah, yes. The whole point is that it starts at one point and it ends the same state. It's like... That's like a terrible accident. Yeah. This is what happens when there are tragic, catastrophic transporter well, accidents. Why is there a button that for that? Option? <laughs> yeah. There's like a button. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Yeah. What if you accidentally thought you were doing boop, boop, beep, and you went boop, boop, boop? Like, <laughs> oh, no, no. Surely the last boop would be burn. <laughs> or you're fired. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, guys, why option? But everyone laughs. It's great. It's going to float Hilarious. forever in space. And Scotty comes in and is like, huh, I didn't know if I was innocent or guilty. <laughs> really and putting Scotty on value was probably the best thing for him at this point. Why didn't they do that in the first place rather than thinking that they could sex the concussion right out of him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Kirk is like, well, I have the happiest crew in space. Hey, guys, who wants to get some hookers and blow? <laughs> and everyone's like, and I, they, Well, the thing that gets me on this is Kirk decides, McCoy... And Scotty are too high for any yes. more hookers and blow. And Spock wouldn't appreciate it, so no hookers and blow for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> that is like some Three Musketeers shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're, the entire crew except for Spock is going to be high as balls for five to six hours. And then the little tech hugs himself. End episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I hated everything except oh. like the last five minutes. This is the greatest episode of television I've ever seen. We didn't talk about it, but like Sulu being all high on the yes. bridge, it was so funny. It was so cute. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel in this day, I don't think I'd be as scared of a supernova. <laughs> <laughs> it's a that part. I don't know. I love this episode. Yeah, it, it combines the stupidity of. Like, let's drug this out of it to let's sex therapy you to Jack the Ripper in space. Mm-hmm. It was too dumb. <laughs> like, no, too dumb. Okay, uh, performance of the episode, Kim. Uh, I'm giving it to the guy who, to a twofer. Okay. The guy who played the prefect and his wife. Yep, strong, strong, strong suggestion. Ari, I was I was going to give it to the prefect, too. I'm going to look his name up now. While you're doing that, I'm actually going to give the performance to Tara slash Tana, whose name I do not remember. Oh, okay, her. that's uh, fair. Tanya Lamani. I thought she did a great sexy dance. 
I still can't get over her face in that whole sequence. The it part was, where she has like the the finger symbols at the beginning that's where iconic. You, where you start in on her face, yes. like because we're all watching this on Netflix now because yes. all of Star Trek is on Canadian Netflix. Ah! Praise, praise the Star Trek gods. But like the 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 picture from that episode, yeah. is that shot of her face. Yeah, it's which, iconic. Like her face is moving in like three different directions at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah. She did a great job. She's very athletic. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that in like a quasi creepy sexual way like when she bends down like back down I was like holy oh, yeah. crap like yeah. so uh uh Prefect Jarrus was played by Charles McCauley okay and Sibo was played by Pilar Surat uh both did excellent yes, jobs very good jobs Pilar Surat sounds like a Vulcan name <laughs> it's true doesn't it it does yeah she was delightful yeah, I get I would great. read the continuing adventures of their epic love oh mm-hmm. yeah me too because mm-hmm. no one really dies in no. Star Trek unless no. you're wearing a red I shirt. Stabbing really shouldn't do it in this century. We see people recover from much less impressive stab wounds. We see wounds. people recover from death. From being shot with phasers. Yeah. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, life lessons we learned from this episode, Kim. Uh, don't be a lady when there's a murderer about. Uh, Which is basically is all the time. All times. <laughs> Uh, Ari, life lesson? Mine was actually pretty close in line with Kim's. It was, a, the narrative wants you dead. <laughs> um, I think that mine would be to marry high in your society. <laughs> <laughs> Except that even that didn't protect her. No. So then keep her from getting murdered. Gosh. So, if you know you're in the middle of a murder mystery, go take a vacation immediately. Do not stop. Take so your really? car and tear out so of really it. Wait, wait. Check the brakes on your car. Oh, yes. And then tear out of that town. Also, don't turn the car on until you're sure there's no bomb. Yeah. Oh, and also check the backseat of the car and the trunk because the killer could be waiting there. Mm-hmm. And check under the lining in the trunk in case there's an evil tracking device. Oh, so true. There's no escape. Also, be careful walk. driving out of town so that you don't accidentally wreck the car in some way but that is actually your brakes being cut. So actually, oh, the group oh. lesson here I'm getting is be genre savvy, it will save That's your true. life. And don't stop on any roadblocks because it's probably the evil murderer who set up a fake police roadblock. Just like tear right through it. Oh, yep. yes. And if a, a police officer tries to pull you over, don't, don't pull stop. over because he's going to murder. Oh, it's yeah, really yeah. depressing how many of these are actual real world being a lady in a car tips. Speaking of ladies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Deaths. Oh. Three ladies in the show, plus all the women who are, throughout history who have been murdered by men. Yeah. Are your count? Uh, 15 ladies. Hey. Eight people of color. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have Also another- an entire culture that is heavily coded as non-white. Um, I would also like to end this episode with another life lesson. Never go to Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a good one. I like fog. 